0: Welcome to the second episode of the new series of the Burning Eye podcast. I'm Bridget Hart, your host and editor at Burning Eye Books. The Burning Eye podcast is here to give you exclusive updates and interviews from our Burning Eye poets that we are releasing throughout the year as and when their collections come out. Um, So today I'm going to be joined by the amazing Kat Hepburn whose book Dating and Other Hobbies has really got me through a lot of the last year. It's um, it's very funny and I think if anyone's have been on their own quite a lot in lockdown, then like um, intimacy can feel a bit terrifying. Um, so dating and other hobbies is a beautiful remedy to that. It's funny, it's heartwarming, it's relatable um, and I'm really uh, happy to have been able to publish this book and put it out into the world, especially as things start to open back up again and we start to get a bit braver with um, dating, etc., so Kat Hepburn is an award-winning scriptwriter and spoken word artist based in Glasgow and Berlin. Her work has featured nationally and internationally across screen, stage and page for BBC Six Music Festival, Edinburgh Fringe and Channel 4. She's the author of the poetry book Girlhood, which was developed into a hit show in 2019. And Kat is also the founder of Sonic Youth, one of Scotland's leading spoken word nights. The book is a collection of female-centered poetry and short stories, screaming with authenticity and using toe-curlingly relatable observations on millennial culture. Confessional, uncomfortable and hilarious all at once, from regrettable one-night stands to ghosting to the extramarital affairs, no stone is left unturned, shining a light on the nuances of human connection and interaction in a world of digital dating and sexual exploration. Dating and other hobbies provides a celebration of early adulthood and all the beautiful mess that comes with it. And we've got a quote here from Phil Jupitus who says, hits like an espresso martini served in a library by a doctor of philosophy dancing to Lady Gaga. And I think that's actually a pretty good fitting quote for the collection. Um, So uh, in a moment I'm just going to pass over to my interview with Kat, but I just wanted to say um, that you can get Kat's book um, from our web store um, today and um, you can get it delivered with a bunch of other lovely Burning Eye books if you want or and what we recommend is that you go to Cat direct and get a, a signed copy of the book so that um, as much as the sale money goes um, in Cat's pocket as possible. Um, hope you enjoy the episode. Hello Bridget how are you? I'm okay yeah I'm, I'm all right I'm not bad it's um it's Friday the pub's open on Monday. I've been to the pub three times. Oh, wow. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I worked I worked on the Monday, um, which was like throwing myself back in the deep end after not really seeing anybody for like six months. Yeah. And then going to work on a Monday and it was really packed. But it was, it was sort of rejuvenating in a weird way as well.
1: Yeah, I bet. I wonder how many people... Uh... We're sending emails to their bosses this week saying I can't I can't do any of my work today I've been struck down by a mystery illness I wonder how many hangovers have affected this week's like productivity in England I'd be really, really? interested to see some stats on that.
0: I want to know how many people were sensible enough to book off the Tuesday <laughs> Yes. and uh, how have you been?
1: I've been okay um, I've I've had COVID, I've came out the other end, um, and I'm just doing lots of promotion for, for my new book, and I'm working on loads of different, really, really exciting projects, so yeah, I'm feeling good about stuff, and I'm a kind of, I'm a hot house flower I enjoy like the sunshine and winter makes me feel really like crap and depressed and it just feels like the sun's out for longer and yeah th- things are on the up things are feeling good.
0: Yeah it's a great time to release the book I think because it's um yeah that turning of the season and the sun comes out and everyone gets really excited about it. And yeah, I think this year, especially as well, because I mean, obviously last year, this time we were in lockdown and everything was really uncertain and now this time we're coming out of it or mm-hmm. at least we are in the UK here. So it mm-hmm. feels like, it was like, Oh, okay. Yes. I've got energy for things again. And so your new book is called dating and other hobbies. Um, and it is a mixture of poetry and some, some short little flash fictions in there as well. Um I just kind of wanted to ask, you know there's a lot of stuff out there about um, modern dating and things mm-hmm. that I think is um, uh, very specific to one type of experience, whereas I found when reading the poems and the and the um, stories in the book, I found that it was much more diverse in terms of the types of relationships that are represented there. You know it's not just uh, straight white couples or things like that. It's a variety of different dating. Um, debacles that come yeah. up uh, and it's, it's really refreshing to see that kind of take on it you know a lot of time when they're like oh modern dating it's still quite restrictive in what it is so mm-hmm. it's really refreshing to read something that encompassed so much of the modern dating experience for a lot of people.
1: Yeah I think it's well I, I sort of approached it that way for a couple of reasons the first one was that I just didn't want it to be you don't want it to just be through one single lens. You want to look at things through a variety of different characters and stories and experiences because it makes it more interesting. And it's just, yeah, I just think it's an important thing to include as much as you can of the broad range of relationships and the different forms that they take. So it was a kind of, it was a deliberate decision to do that. And I'm glad that 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 came across when, when you're reading it too, because yeah it's it's something that I was very mindful of when I was writing it
0: yeah and I think as well it speaks to a lot of working class experiences of dating as well which again I think is really underrepresented in terms of you know uh, a finding the time to date be dating people that are more professional or or earn more money than you or whatever it is you know there's (laughs) all these pitfalls that that we have to fall into these days with modern dating um that maybe we didn't think about in our twenties, <laughs> what I yeah. think about it in my twenties. I was like, totally. "Are you a punk? Great, that'll do." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah It's funny how your the sort of barometer changes as you get older, and changes no matter like depending on what kind of place you are in your life, of what you're looking for at, at that particular time. That evolves and and grows as you get older, and yeah, I think that's that's definitely a thing. Yeah. I've never I've never had a thing for punks I, oh actually I did. I dated a punk once. Um he was lots of fun actually. Um but yeah, I wouldn't say that was a particular type that I went for, but yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that was my pitfall. I just dated one type of person and then after a while I was like, I'm having the same issue because <laughs> I'm just dating the same archetypal person the whole time. So uh yeah, so it's it's great to have such a, a, a broad view in the book and obviously some of that comes from your own personal experience and some of this is it friends experiences or like did you read stuff in magazines you know there's a lot of stuff in there that I'm like where did you get this from this Mm. you know the inspiration behind some of them
1: yeah I think I'm just inspired by yeah my own experiences Uh, as you say my friends like I've got a lot of girlfriends and yeah, I think collectively we've uh, touched a lot of bases over the years in terms of our dating debacles. to use the word you used earlier. Um, so yeah, just kind of based it, I think there's, it's all fiction, right? There's fictional characters, fictional stories, but it's all coming from a place of truth and trying to tap into and express the the shared experiences that we, that some of us go through in our 20s um, into early 30s. So yeah, it was it was lots of fun making up some of the situations and the characters, but I think as writers you can't help but you know take inspiration from real life. It just it's it's in you, it's in your memories and your thoughts and experiences. So I'm sure there's uh, some subconscious uh, things in there that that you know that have more of an element of truth than than I, I, pro- I probably know, even though I
0: wrote it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I think. <laughs> I think uh, there's so many opportunities to find uh, yourself in in, in what you've written in terms of similar situations or or Mm -hmm. feelings or embarrassing moments or whatever it is, um, which is really accessible and really nice. Um, And I I just wanted to, because obviously you are rooted in uh, spoken word, performance poetry and the short fiction pieces in there. Is that something that you also perform as a, as a, Sort of piece, um, or is that strictly for a reader?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think that because this is my first time publishing a short story, I've been writing them my whole life, but this is the first time it's been published. So I wrote them mainly with the aim of it just to be on the page, but with the knowledge that I probably will be sharing them and reading them aloud. There's, I think, there's one piece in there that's maybe a bit long, but um for, for the for some of the others I think they could fit into, into a slot at a spoken word night or a literary night so yeah I am planning on reading them aloud and I read them aloud while I was writing them and rewriting them and um, that's something I do with my script writing as well I, I think it just helps you kind of get into the characters voices and see if the rhythm works in the sentences and all that jazz so yeah I think I will be sharing if not all, then most of them uh, in some form or, or another. I don't know if it'll be, I'm, I'm planning on doing some videos um, and yeah, hopefully one day like on a stage with like a, an audience. But at this point, I don't know, even, even over Zoom would be good. But uh, yeah, that's a very long way of saying, yes, I will be performing these at some point.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because I think as well, like what you were saying a minute ago about that process which I think is a very unique thing with with performance poets to write and perform it to yourself at the same time. Like that process is quite mm-hmm. a familiar one for a lot of people. Um, I'm not so sure on like if page poets do that so much, but like I, there's there's such a a good combination of being able to write a good performance piece but you you have to be able to read it to yourself to make sure that it makes sense on the page and and also that idea of having like a live version of it and then an album or a book version of it Mm -hmm. um in which some of the tenses might change or you might take some of the um the little words out or how you Mm -hmm. use the page and the line breaks to to perform it for you on the page Um, are you somebody that will come up with a performance piece before you will have it written? Uh, so say you've, got, say you've got a piece that you're writing. Um, is it strictly you're like, right, I'll only do this for performance before I even edit it on the page and think about doing that?
1: Uh, well, yeah, I think just, I, I'm, I'm, firstly, I'm a spoken words artist. So, um, yeah, any kind of poetry is always written to be, delivered, uh, like yeah, performed. So I guess for the writing process, I'm keeping that in mind for every draft of it. Um uh, I, I usually do a draft and then I'll voice like voice note myself and see how that draft sounds and then as I'm listening to it back I'll edit the second draft. Um yeah, yeah so that's usually how I work. I've had the odd commission where they just want it for the page, which is fine. Um I can do that. And I think I've learned a lot working with uh, with you guys at Burning Eye Books because spoken word written down is an absolute riot. Um very, very long sentences. So yeah, I think like one of the first notes you gave me was like, Can you break up
0: <laughs> can yeah. you break
1: up the the text a bit? So yeah, so just learning about what works for a page, what works better for, for performing. And I think I'm sure when it comes to me doing gigs with dating and other hobbies that it'll my copy will end up covered in like pink sharpie because you do it, it evolves as you as you go to perform it um, things things evolve and change I don't think it's ever it's ever like finished <laughs> do you know what I mean it just takes a new form
0: yeah I, I think you're right there I think every performance poet that has a book has that well-thumbed yeah. <laughs> copy that's highlighted. Mine's got like coffee all over it. Yeah, and, like, bits of like dry tobacco and stuff. <laughs> and, very and on brand. Some, yeah, for some ridiculous idea, I just thought, yeah, let's do a white book cover. Terrible idea. Oh yeah,
1: really my cool. first my first book was white, and uh, yeah, I won't be making that mistake again. It just got.
0: Really, so really quickly yeah so anyone listening out there white book covers are not the one do it don't, don't do, do it, it. <laughs> you could probably get away with cream maybe but you might still have the same issue mm-hmm. uh, yeah so I mean you just we just briefly touched on the process there like how was how was that for you in terms of working with us as a publisher and and having to be challenged to to change up what you were writing in, into book form
1: yeah, it was a it was a good process. I felt very supported by um by your team and I felt like I had so many questions about stuff and worries and anxieties and I think that just comes from um you know it's been three years since I, I wrote my my previous book. So a lot of stuff felt quite Yeah it felt quite alien even though it wasn't so yeah I felt very supported and I think that um, yeah the editing process was great you know any opportunity to have your work improved on is great any criticism is welcomed I think if you you know working as a as a jobbing writer as someone that you know that's like my main job you have to get good at taking criticism because if you get too precious or if your ego gets in the way then you're only gonna shoot yourself in the foot so aye, it was good and and yeah and I also I also feel happy that I'm I'm getting published by a publisher that's outside of Scotland because hopefully that'll get my work to new places Scotland feels kind of small sometimes um you sort of feel like a well, like a medium-sized fish in a very small fishbowl or pond. So aye, it feels good to kind of be potentially reaching new audiences with it. So I'm excited about that.
0: Yeah, we're going to ask you about the, the sort of Scottish scene and, and what it was like for you and how you established yourself there. But I think like uh, the open submissions that we had this year, we had way more Scottish poets than we've ever had before. <laughs> us. And I think that was because we published we were publishing your book this year yeah i got a lot, a lot of people of, were like oh right okay <laughs> i got a
1: lot of dms from people asking advice about how how i how i managed to get published from burning eye so yeah <laughs> i was like dishing out a lot of advice to other scottish poets <laughs> uh, hopefully some of
0: them made it through the net <laughs> yeah some of them definitely made it through the net and we're oh, great we're going to be announcing um our twenty twenty two lists god 2022 um august this year so um we'll reveal all then but i'm really excited to yeah have that connection with the scottish scene a bit more because scotland has some of the best spoken word artists in the uk um and i think because the scene is smaller it there's more um grassroots stuff going on it's more diy than the uk than the english scene which i think has Mm -hmm. become quite commercialized over the last few years but I think Scotland's still very and has such a good queer representation as well, mm-hmm. um, which I think is really important to not ignore and to and to push that. So you're you've obviously come up through the Scottish scene and you're one part of the producing um, team for Sonic Youth. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how Sonic Youth started out?
1: Sure. So Sonnet Youth is um, me and my friend and fellow spoken word artist, Kevin P. Gilday. And we, we've we been running nights for about four or five years now. I always get the date wrong. So yeah, around about that time. Um, and yeah, we met doing a master's together. We initially started Sonnet Youth because we were asked to do a Burns Night at a local brewery. Um in the east end of Glasgow called Drygate and the night went so well that they asked us to come back and do a regular one, uh, so we started doing it monthly and then over the last five years we've expanded to Edinburgh, Stirling, um, we've done festivals like Hidden Door and um, yeah, all sorts of different festivals around the UK and, and then when lockdown happened last year we went fully digital and we've been running two events a month online s by social club it's now on patreon um yeah so we're on our 27th show is Ooh. the next one i think so yeah so we've been doing that for a full year now so yeah we just we put on not only spoken word artists that was one of our kind of key things that we wanted to do we did we love poetry but we don't like we don't I can get a bit samey. Eh? <laughs> so, so we hire poets, um, page poets, spoken word artists, comedians, cabaret acts, musicians, like all different types of people that work in the performing arts. So yeah, it's a great mix of talent and, and going digital obviously has presented its challenges, but it means that we can tap into a wider scene because we don't have to pay anyone's chain or bus ticket
0: (laughs) Uh, yeah that's a really big thing and in it like having to you know being able to provide um events that um encompass people that are all over the place and yeah Mm -hmm. that massive um amount of money that you'd have to have for transport and things like that isn't there which which is really great and i really hope that the digital events continue after lockdown ends as a sort of companion to live events you know keep it going how have you found managing like live events like what's your what's the process with sonic youth in terms of you know is it like a zoom event that you do or is it like a pre-recorded thing
1: yeah so it's recorded over zoom but the finished article doesn't look like a zoom because um it is edited edited and produced by a local uh, streaming company called blue star streaming and they do they work with really big clients like uefa and bafta and yeah, they 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 actually approached us. We'd worked with them on one thing before, and they approached us as soon as lockdown hit last year in March, and asked us if we wanted to put a show online. So they record it on Zoom and then they edit it for us and they jazz it up and put our logos on it, and then it's put out on a unlisted uh, YouTube link, and then that's that link is embedded into uh, a certain tier of our Patreon. Um, so yeah it, it, it is a zoom and there are challenges with you know there are challenges with a uh, zoom let alone it being like a zoom performance so I think definitely it's at the start it was about reassuring people and trying to let them know that it was okay I think that there's a different type of anxiety and nerves that comes with doing these sorts of gigs it can feel a bit more vulnerable and a bit more intimate and it's you know things like lighting and you're just there's just a lot more different factors that you have to take into consideration so definitely at the beginning we were getting quite a lot of no's um and quite a lot of just people who felt quite unsure but i think now we're in our stride people are getting used to zoom gigs or they're probably sick of them (laughs) sick of doing them but um but yeah, and it's also hard to recreate the kind of electrical atmosphere that you could have in a in a venue. But we we're doing our best and yeah, as I said, it's been a year of, of doing these shows, so we're sort of we sort of know what we're doing, but we're definitely gonna be looking at a sort of hybrid um in the next season. We're luckily we're funded by Creative Scotland, so when we go for our next funding application, um it'll look like something, a mixture of the two. Um because yeah, I think it would be silly to ignore the benefits of of virtual gigs
0: yeah i think so too especially like you say like being in scotland it's a little bit cut off from everyone you know down here in bristol we're like oh yeah i want to go to sonic Youth, but i can't go to sonic Youth. so mm-hmm. having a having the online event is is so great to yeah keep connected with people and i've been so um encouraged by the poetry scene in general and how well it has um adapted to tech using online stuff and Mm -hmm. we you know we have it easy compared to like full bands musicians yeah thing like you know I feel really bad for them right now you know there's you know we can we can sort of do this pretty lo-fi on a budget and it's it's yeah gonna be okay in the end and people will still engage with it um so what's your what's your next plans for for the book for any any celebrations you've got coming up
1: well, I am going to be celebrating every step of the way. So I've had my online book launch. I'm going to be doing um, just loads of online gigs and then looking at a tour once uh, venues open up in the UK. Um, but yeah, I think just for now, it's uh, yeah, just online stuff. Um, yeah. That's kind of it. And And yeah, in terms of celebrating, I'm just... Just for me, just for me as a writer, I'm just so like happy about this happening that um that yeah there's been a there's been a miniature celebration with every step of the way. I think uh, my boyfriend's gonna kill me because I'm like that's the the seventh draft handed in. <laughs> let's have a drink <laughs>
0: um
1: but yeah, I think just yeah, a lot of online stuff, and when I can, I will be uh, doing proper venue stuff too
0: yeah I'm looking forward to getting back in the in the, the venues and and seeing people again and live performance I went to a live performance last year when we were out of lockdown um, but things were still a bit restricted um it was a milk poetry event in Bristol yeah. and um uh, I remember just getting really tearful because I it was really unexpected to be like oh god this is you know someone performing on a stage and and you're just sat there watching it and the power of being physically there with that performance and it was really like oh and I think there's definitely going to be a few weeks of people hugging and crying in the streets randomly it's going to be such an emotional time yeah Yeah.
1: and poets are very emotional creatures as it is so yeah I think the emotions will be running high definitely
0: yeah there'll be tear stains all over your book and you know as well as the coffee and the dried tobacco <laughs> yeah
1: well better tear stains than other stains I think
0: <laughs> well I mean the other stains might be suitable too who knows yeah <laughs> oh well I mean in terms of um you know the book coming out obviously it's you know we weren't expecting to still be in such a such a restrictive place but I think all of you that we we're publishing last year and this year have been really great at uh, finding new ways to get your books out to people. And I think the audiences, they're still there. They're still engaging with it. And I think that's really nice because a lot of it is coming more direct now than through Amazon or Waterstones and things. Um, And so you will be able to buy the book um, directly from our web store. It's available now. You can go pick it up burningeyed.bigcartel.com or, and preferably you should get one direct from Kat um, who might be, signing them for you who knows um but it means that cat gets the most amount of money out of the book sales which is what we do that's what why burning eye exists to give you guys as much financial support as possible when you've got the books coming out. um i this is one of my favorite books of this year it's kept me thoroughly entertained in the <laughs> sort of last dregs of winter doing the typeset with you and thank you it's such an entertaining book it's really light-hearted it doesn't take itself too seriously and I think I think it's really needed right now that kind of book you know so congratulations and well done
1: thanks Bridget thank you so much
0: I just wanted to know if you maybe wanted to uh do a poem for us whichever poem you like whatever you're feeling today is usually what I say Oh, I also forgot to ask you the, the question that I'm asking all the poets on the podcast this year. Mm-hmm. was, if you had to be entertained by one spoken word artist for the rest of your life,
1: oh. who would it be?
0: Oh no, oh no, how can I choose? Um, I thought it was a less cruel than asking what, your fav- what your, you could only read one book. I think that's crueler. Uh... uh,
1: uh, uh this is tough. This is tough. I would say Victoria McNulty. Um I co-directed her a spoken word show she did a few years ago. I think she's one of Scotland's top artists. And I just love her work. And yeah, so but I was that was a very hard question, Bridget. That was a <laughs> that was a naughty question. But yeah, I would choose Victoria mcnulty Everyone, if you've not heard of her, definitely check her out. She is amazing.
0: Yeah, I, I saw her at the Edinburgh Fringe slam, the last Edinburgh Fringe. Um, Yay. and She was fantastic, really funny, really enjoyed that. And that was the first time that I'd seen her and, yeah, really stuck, stuck with me. So, yeah, good good answer. Yeah. Yeah, I always think that question's not as bad as asking if you had to read one book. Because I think the one book well, is worse.
1: I actually don't think I could pick one book because I mm. couldn't be asked reading the same book twice. So I just, I would just rather... <laughs> I would just rather write, write a new book than read another, read the same thing. <laughs> okay, I've got, I've got a poem, and it's, it's the first poem, uh, as soon as you open the book, it's the prologue, as it were, um, and it's called Mistakes of a 20-something Millennial. Ordering that second bottle of wine on a school night. Losing track of time, sleeping with him. Sleeping with her. Not going to sleep. Sleeping in. Sleeping on a couch at a party. Going to sleep with your makeup on or your bra. Making him sleep on the couch when you know deep down that you are in the wrong. Wearing a thong not following a recipe, choosing the wrong karaoke song, the wrong university course, the wrong main course, the wrong contraception, the wrong person to give your affection, wearing high heels that you can't walk into a winter wedding reception in Scotland, getting the bus instead of walking in the fresh air, cutting your own hair, not telling someone exactly how you feel, telling someone exactly how you feel. Stealing cheese from Tesco, thinking it's not an interview, worrying about your pubes, berating your own boobs, being too afraid to get your bare legs out, telling a secret even if it was yours to let out, letting out someone else's pet, smoking cigarettes, taking too much ketamine or any amphetamine, not wearing SPF, kissing a colleague or worse, someone else's boyfriend, missing a person who made you feel terrible drawing on eyebrows or cheekbones terribly, getting your dinner delivered instead of working out, abusing your liver, not taking a jacket on a night out, ghosting somebody who didn't deserve it, spreading yourself too thin, squeezing yourself into skinny jeans, wishing you were thinner or hotter, not drinking enough water, worrying about what people think, not taking vitamin D, getting an embarrassing tattoo, holding in a poo at a boy's flat, forgetting to brush your teeth, answering an inappropriate person's DMs, sliding into an inappropriate person's DMs. But are these all mistakes or ways we find to grow and learn, earn our stripes and discover who we are? When we're old in rocking chairs, what else are we going to sit and think about for fun but all the questionable decisions that we made when we were young. Yay! I like to do the clap because I can. Well, look, <laughs> a single clap is better than no clap at all. So thank you for that, stand, for, for that sitting ovation. Thank you, Bridget. <laughs> You're
0: welcome. I'm swinging around in my office chair like this. Um great. I really like that poem as well. It's such a good introduction to what the book is. There's so many lines in you know, there that I love, like, telling someone how you feel, not telling them how you feel, which is Mm. a constant anxiety of mine. So, yeah, it's nice to be seen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you want to let people know where they can find you and your book online?
1: sure so all the updates to what i'm up to um i usually put on my instagram and twitter that's at cat hepburn right right is with a w and uh, i've just started a TikTok because i'm trying to tap into the old gen z market (laughs) so i'm at cat hepburn on tiktok and you can buy my book uh on my big cartel shop uh i can't remember the exact uh link but it's on my instagram and twitter bio so you can find it there
0: great yeah so do i would urge you to go out and buy this book um for yourself for your friends for your boyfriends uh everyone needs to read this book i think even your nan could get a laugh out of this some some people's nans if you've got a cool man yeah my, my aunties would definitely love this book <laughs> so uh yeah thank you so much for um hanging out with me today it's really nice to see you and your amazing nails which uh podcast listeners can't see but they are like space silver extra long claws claws like coffin yeah. shape yeah sort of <laughs> that's the, a... shape, the coffin shape uh, <laughs> uh, yeah we're gonna be back next time but Kat, thank you so much for joining us today
1: Thank you. It's been a blast. Thanks, Bridget.